Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sharp Side Podcast. I'm your host, Chaz Parada, and with me is James Bitter and his shitty Wi-Fi. James, how are we doing? Good. Wi-Fi, not so good. That is true. Um, this is take two. Fair warning. Not of the whole thing of honestly just the first two minutes, but uh, it's college football week 12. I'm so excited for this week of games. I feel like there's implications in seemingly every game of the week right now. Hands down the most, um, what do we call them, marquee matchups, key games yeah. uh, that we've yeah. had in any um, in any pod this year, I would imagine. So very much looking forward to this Saturday. Um, a lot of playoff implications, conference title implications, everything. James, Oklahoma loses, and they look the offense looks like shit. Right when I call them for right when I call for them to be the best offense in the country, um, I will say I if Caleb Williams doesn't get his hand stepped on, I think they win, and that that's the story I'm going to go with. But um, <laughs> James, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, last week's action? It has to be Oklahoma losing. I mean. It was presumed if they won out, they were going to be in the playoff, which they had the path to win out. That game against Oklahoma State and the Big 12 Championship were definitely not going to be easy games, but they were supposed to win out. They would have been favorites in every game. So I think that's a kind of a huge, not really surprise. They were favorites, but kind of just something that happened. Um, definitely hurts you and I. I know you had some Caleb Williams Heisman tickets and some Oklahoma Futures. I also had some Oklahoma Futures as well. But on the bright side, uh, Georgia continues just to dominate anything and everybody in their path. Yes. Um, a game that a lot of people looked at, potentially a sleepy spot. Tennessee does some things that no, no other team has done all year. That's faced Georgia. They go fast. They throw the ball deep. It doesn't matter. None of it worked. Georgia's just too good. Um, outside of that, I don't think there were really any games that had like too surprising of results outside of Kansas beating Texas. I thought that was yeah. pretty incredible. Uh, but outside of that, I think some definitely some crazy games and some horrible beats along the way last week. More than I I've don't seen, get me started. More than I've seen all year. But uh, outside of yeah. my Oklahoma team total, and I I don't think I complain a whole lot on podcasts, but I'm going to right now. I think I was on the right side of four or five games. I went one and four, and like that, that was very very frustrating for me. But. So that, that, that was, that was a, a week to forget for sure. Um, should we just get right on into it? Any, so let's do it. Wait, actually really quick. So with that kind of the Oklahoma loss, how do you think that shakes up the picture, the, like the playoff picture a little bit? I think the big, t- actually, I don't know if the big 12 is out. Oklahoma state's still got a chance, man. They I, beat Oklahoma I also don't think that Oklahoma is out of it either. I kind of do. I think they lost in pretty, I wouldn't say embarrassing fashion, but they like they never really had a chance in that second half. Once they were down 17-7 or whatever it was, um, it just felt like they were just so far out of it. And that offense looked anemic, too. It's like, no matter who they threw back there, yeah, Caleb Williams got his hand stepped on, but they just didn't look good. Uh, and that was like a, a huge morning televised game on ESPN, too. So a lot of people saw it. And I think that leaves just bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So I'd say they're probably out. I think honestly, that's that fair, but does, they, like, they were undefeated. And like you went out, you beat yeah. Oklahoma State twice, you beat Iowa State, you go 12 and one. And say, I mean, I do we, I mean, I don't, can't speak about you, but I don't really expect Oregon to win out at all. And I don't think that. See, I do. But is, does two lost Bama get in over one lost no. Oklahoma? Does, See, but it, it opens the door though for a two lot. I mean, honestly, the answer should be it opens the door for Cincinnati. I agree. But the committee clearly has a bias not to include Cincinnati for ratings, which I do understand. So but I, I have an opinion on that. So, I mean, I'm invested in Cincinnati, obviously. So I, call me a little biased. I don't see how not including Cincinnati in there is like, at, especially an undefeated one, is at all a benefit to you because you're just going to get people really mad at you. And if – if you do put them in and they get smacked, then like that's like the most. Which like, they the, will. Well, well and they're gonna exa- be exactly, they're going to be a four seed versus Georgia, and they're going to get their shit kicked. Like that's going to be the most like confirmation bias thing ever, and you essentially just be able to stand there and say, 
you guys have been complaining about first round matchups the whole time. We include the good group of five team and they just got, and they just lost by 50 like that. It has, there is absolutely zero uh, drawback to not throwing them in because if they win, then everyone gets what they want, which See, I, the, well, I agree with what you're saying, but like at the end of the day, it's all about who watches. I think they just know they can, they can put in like whoever they want and make whoever they want mad, but people are still going to watch at the end of the day, depending on That's who's fair. in. And like, if it's Ohio state versus Cincinnati, you're going to gain X amount of viewers, even if it does like confirm what most people probably think, especially them. Um, I just don't really think they're looking for that confirmation. You know, they're looking for the money that's, and that's what the that's end of the day, they're chasing a dollar sign. That's true. Um, I was early on my Kansas, man. It really bummed me out. Yeah. Uh, but that being I mean, said, it's not too late. You could hop on the train again. No, they're not winning two in a row. Gosh, if they were to win two in a row, I'd actually be really sad. That would, that would very much bum me out. <laughs> that would just be a slap in the face. It would. It would be a huge slap in the face. Um, let's hit these. Let's hit these matchups, though. Uh, so this also coincides with my number one pick. My number one pick. My number one uh, confidence play. Um, but we're going to start in the Big Ten. We're going to Michigan State, Ohio State. Ohio State is laying a massive number of minus nineteen. And man, I love the and I love Ohio State lane 19 here. Um, ooh, I did not pull up the total. I apologize. 67. 67. Um, I'll give my handicap real quick and then hop right in. Um, so I talked about this a little bit last week with Maryland, but Michigan State's uh, passing defense has been very weak this year. And last week was no indicator, was no indicator that it is going to get better by any mean. Um, Maryland must have had three turn like turnovers on downs in the red zone, and I believe two missed field goals, so they were able to move the ball with ease. And now, when Maryland already had a top ten passing success rate in the country, and now you go to the number one passing success rate team in the country, with perhaps the best wide receiver grouping we've seen, arguably for since the start of the century i would argue i I actually believe this group is better and deeper than the alabama one um i don't think you get as many big names but i think with the pedigree and talent that they have i'm i could certainly make the case that these guys are um a cut above the uh, bama bama group and cj stroud is coming into his own as a heisman holder i'm utterly excited about it um this game does have some heisman implications too just because of kenneth walker but and bringing up Kenneth Walker, Ohio State's uh, defensive uh, rushing success rate has been incredible too. So I do think they're going to be able to stop Michigan in the run game. And while I have been overall pretty uh, impressed with Peyton Thorne, just kind of compared to my expectations of him coming into the season, um, I think that the passing defense of Ohio State is going to do enough to slow the Michigan State offense down. And I think this could get fairly ugly. I'm going to give you a score prediction. I'm going to say 56-14. I think Ohio State absolutely dominates here, and I don't think Michigan State is able to move the ball much at all. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Um, it's essentially like a plug-and-play of last week's handicap for me, just with Ohio State and their better defense and better run game and better passing offense and everything else. So uh, what do you think? Yeah, total agreement. Uh, this would have made my five if it didn't make yours or was not your number one play. Um, but I, an angle that I really like here is Ohio State team total over. Love that. Uh, it's 43 and a half right now. I think they get into the 50s. I mean, they put up 59 last week on Purdue, who's, I'd argue, pretty similar defensively. I think Michigan they're better. State. Yeah, I mean, I was saying similar to be a little uh, nice about it, but <laughs> I'd agree. Um, I mean, that's my, my main angle here. You can even go first half. I mean, they had 49 or 45 at half last week. I, did um, I, I, I know I bet the over. I don't know if I included that in my five last week, which seems like went for me. I should have. Yeah, that, dude, they, that was unbelievable. That went was, over my total. I bet 61 and close 66, and it's 62 first half points. I think I had a 62. It was that was a very fun first half to watch, and I, yeah. I just turned it off after I just started watching some other losing bet that I had. Um, would you? All right. So here's another angle. Sure. Um, some websites offer a prop builder on some of these huge college games. Would you look at CJ Stroud, either passing yards or touchdowns in this? It's just, I, 
five mm. touchdowns or something ludicrous. If you can do that, I would say I would go four, four. I'll, honestly, like, and this was, I think I, I would bet it probably four weeks in a row and I cash every single week. Like at, at some point in the middle of the year, because like people were somewhat down on Shroud, it was like two, two and a half, two and a half, three. And then it's slowly been creeping up. So I don't really know what price you're going to get. I would have, yeah, if sure I had to guess, I would say it's three and a half. Um, yeah. And if you need four at plus one or minus 110, if that even is what it is, I, that's not exactly my favorite bet in the world. Um, I Honestly, I'd rather just go passing yards. Gotcha. Um, and I do think you can get like a little more creative with passing yards. The other thing is that those receivers are so good after the catch that like you, like he could just complete that, you know, that 10 yard pass and then they could just house it for 70. And I, and I um, now the only issue is there is that Travion Henderson is as likely to bust out a run for, you know, an 80 yard touchdown. So it, it is, it is certainly like, I would call it a little bit of a gamble. I I'm personally, I'm not going to be betting shroud. I would just bet, um, yeah, I, I think I, I think you have the right angle, team total. Yep. So um, that's just kind of where, what I'm looking at. Um, if Michigan State wins, Kenneth Walker will win the Heisman. That being said, I see no path to victory for Michigan State. So I don't know. Um, but after outside of the Big Ten, we move to the ACC. And this is another one of my plays. Go, I'm going big this week. Um, Wake Forest at Clemson. Clemson is lane four and a half. James, I'm going to let you start us off because I, I, I think that you might disagree with me a little bit here, I, although I don't know how much, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, I was a sucker. I bet Wake plus three and a half, and I think you probably did as well on Sunday. I didn't, actually. Um, you did not. I did not, if- yeah. I was being lazy on Sunday. Yeah, I don't really like it a ton now. Clemson's starting to play better ball. Um, I mean, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest on offense has just, just been putting up video game numbers all year. Uh, even last week, he threw three picks, and they still put 45 points. I think Wake can score points here. It's just their defense is abysmal. Um, so that Clemson offense that has been kind of just a shell of what we've seen in years past, they've honestly just kind of completely changed their offense to be more conservative and kind of run the ball and. They don't even really run at a crazy tempo anymore. Um, I think four and a half is a pretty good number here. I, I think I'm kind of a sucker to take a three and a half. I just think Clemson can actually score a little bit here, and they've been playing better ball as of late. So right now I'd probably just pass the game as a whole, but I will have some rooting interest on Wake. So let me tell you why Wake Forest is going to win this game. So I think, first of all, four and a half is so disrespectful for what honestly is probably the best deep passing attack in college football right now. Um, Dude, Ohio State, come on. <laughs> yeah, but like, I would say it's the best. I, what Wake Forest does down the field is unmatched by very few teams. Um, and like, they score so much and so quick because it's all like 20 yard throws that these really good receivers just grab and make plays. And so Last week, we saw Wake Forest put up 45 points against a very good and comparable to Clemson's NC State defense. NC State and Clemson are nearly identical in passing success rate, and that includes last week's performance. So NC State's was arguably rated a little bit higher. Um, in terms of passing explosiveness, Clemson has allowed uh, more explosive plays from usual um, or than usual, excuse me. And then um, where Clemson is going to have an advantage is running the ball. Now, with how poorly Clemson has thrown the ball, I'm not sure that it's going to be that easy to, or excuse me, it's going to be that difficult to scheme up against. And because of this, I think that we might see a little bit better of a um, of a Wake Forest defensive performance. And I, getting more Clemson's been playing like close games, even against Louisville when I was lucky to cover what did I bet Clemson minus four Clemson minus three and a half. Yeah. I was on that with you. Yeah. And they were so, so lucky to cover that. And I don't think that they're going to have as wide of a margin for error against what is a top 10, top 15 offense in the country. The scheme is so unique. 
it is it's i if you i don't if for people who haven't necessarily watched wake forest game it's crazy because sam hartman gets the ball and he just he and the running back just essentially stand still and until like they see how the defense develops and then they decide whether to run or pass it on nearly every single play and with how good that the wake forest receivers have been i'm not sure that Clemson has the depth at corner to kind of hang with them. And while Clemson does have some elite corners, one that comes to mind, Andrew Booth, um, I don't think they have enough uh, secondary talent to kind of hang with them there. And uh, and then just finally to add, the Wake Forest offensive line has been pretty good this year. So I don't think Clemson is going to blow up as many plays as they normally do. Um, anything to Anything to kind of rebut with that? Not really. I mean, I'm just more neutral at this point, so I don't feel that. Yeah, at, I don't. Have at a four and a half, points. do you think it's a valuable bet? Yeah, I mean, four is a I wouldn't say a key number, but it is more important than like a five per se. So you're getting some numbers there. Alrighty. Um, moving on to the Big Twelve. Uh, actually, it's kind of nice. I think we have there's like one huge, huge game in all five of the um, Power Five conferences plus. Cincinnati, Iowa State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's lane three and a half. Total is 59. I'm curious your thoughts here. I want to bet Oklahoma, but recency bias tells me that I shouldn't. What do you think? Sorry about that. I was, I muted myself on accident. Uh, Recency bias, bias also says you could bet Iowa State here. Uh, sorry, well, I, you could look at Iowa State and say they also just lost to a pretty poor team. That's true. Um, but I think I don't know. I this game's so tough for me because coming into the year, this is probably the game of the year in the Big Twelve, and now it's a six and four Iowa team and an Oklahoma team who definitely needs to win this game. But I don't know. I, there's just something wrong with Iowa right now, or Iowa State rather. Um, I don't know it's, whether it's because they're out of the Big 12 race and they're just like kind of losing that focus and that desire, you know. But I this just feels like a game they get up to me. Like this is their Super Bowl. This like we can spoil Oklahoma season. Like they don't go to the Big 12 championship. If they lose, they're definitely out of the playoff. Uh, I mean, they have some bad blood with Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat them last year in the Big 12 championship in a game that was very closely played. And Iowa State actually had a chance to win at the end. Um, I lean to Iowa State here. I think they can keep it pretty close. Oklahoma State should bounce back, but we've seen Dan Campbell do really well in this uh, this matchup. So Matt I think, Campbell. God damn it. So I said Dan, come that. on, dude. Dan's not walking through that door to fire this team up. No, Dan, Dan would walk through the door and give the ball to the running. He'd hand off the ball like 45 times. That's true. You know, uh, we, ju- we just recorded the NFL pod a couple hours ago. We did not mention that Dan Campbell started calling plays late, late in that game. Yeah, he did. I thought he had it the entire game, but Actually, either way, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. That's why Jared Goff never threw the ball. That's fair. Um, this is a college football pod, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lean to Iowa State. This is a tough game for me, but I'm just – I'm not going to play this. If it gets to three, I think we're going to bet Oklahoma, which is, is certainly trending that way. Um, I don't know. I Oklahoma just might suck. Like they just might kind of be how, what they are as a team. Um, Matt Campbell certainly knows how to scheme up against Lincoln Riley. And I think last week showed that the coaches who do know how to do that just kind of have the same similar success um, against Lincoln Riley. I mean, with Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell, honestly, that's probably the list, but uh, there is a history, especially them or not Dave Aranda by any means, but Matt Campbell with, much worse teams has been able to keep these games very close. So maybe the, right now I, I would argue three and a half is valuable, but when a six was available earlier in the week, I'm not sure it's that valuable of a bet. So lean Oklahoma to me for now, if it's three, I'm probably betting it. So that's where I'm at. Yep. Southern point. Methodist university at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is lane 11 and a half. And that total is 65. Ooh, that's, is that a high total for Cincinnati? Yeah, maybe not for SMU. Uh, this is, I think, coming into the season around week four, week five. This was going to be the biggest game of the American. And now SMU is coming off two straight losses, I believe. And Cincinnati is 
struggling to answer some people's questions about them. Um, do you think SMU is live here at all? No. I, I mean, Cincinnati is not playing good football right now, but I think this is a game where I actually kind of like them a little bit. At a certain point, you have to bottom out in the market. Um, and I don't think they covered, what, five games in a row now? Something I think like that. It's, I think it's kind of reached that point. Um, and the other side, like I, SMU had a win total of six coming into the year. I mean, they weren't supposed to be some great team or some team that was doing the things they were early on in the year. Um, and I think a lot a lot of that was contributed to that win at TCU and knowing what we know now about TCU. I think that's that a good point. Really undervalues that win. I'm kind of talking myself into Cincy here. I, um, I, you kind of just talked me into it. Uh, yeah. I think SMU is just fraudulent and I think they're finally coming back down to where they should be. And I think we're getting a discounted number here under two touchdowns. I think Cincy kind of rolls. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with it. This is, I, I kind of like this actually fair amount. I just and Cincinnati, sorry, Cincinnati. I think SMU's defense is just not very good either. It's horrible. So I think, uh, yeah, I think SMU. God, I keep I keep flipping the names. I think Cincinnati can score a fair amount here. Uh, Cincinnati's defense has struggled a little bit, but I mean SMU is pretty one dimensional. I I, agree. I see a lot of I see a lot of roads to Cincinnati winning by fourteen plus. Yeah, full agreement here. Um, SMU. Ever since the Sunny Dykes news was that he was like rumored for the TCU job, kind of kind of falling off a cliff a little bit. Maybe he's lost the team a little bit. Um, also, SMU is centered around a passing attack. And say what you will about Cincinnati's defense, I would agree that they've struggled lately. They've got two probable first-round picks. And with one of those players being Sauce Gardner, his counterpart at corner to make up probably the best. They, they certainly rival um, North Carolina's cornerback duo in terms of name quality, but Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant are two outstanding names, and they're both very good <laughs> football players as well. Um, so I do think that could pose some issue, uh, issues there for SMU. I would like to see Cincinnati score a lot of points here before I'm, I would able, and before I'm able to kind of like find co- or regain confidence in them. Is this, a, is this a nationally televised game? Like, is this a late window on ESPN? I will look that up right now. Yeah, I'm on it. Because if that's the case, I really like Cincinnati here. It's a chance to kind of – it is. Yeah, ESPN. Yeah, it's a chance to flex their muscle. I mean, they need to. Yeah. That's the national televised games to just kind of shit the bed. So, um, What would you say to Cincinnati first half? Ooh, okay. I don't hate that. I'll try and find find it real quick. Um, load, load, load. This is bad, bad radio. Uh, Cincinnati first half is minus seven. Is it flat? It's minus one hundred five. Really? Okay. Maybe a Cincinnati uh, first half team total over. Yeah, I, think, I could probably get on board with that. I think that's better. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't mind laying eleven and a half though for the full game. I think I, they. Can, I'm with you get some margin here. So I might just stay away from first half and just look full game. Sure. Yeah. I can get behind that for sure. Um, but let's move on to the SEC, SEC, which that was being chanted after Kansas won, And I thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but we're actually going to Alabama where they host Arkansas. People may see Arkansas, see the number 21 and think, why are they, why on earth are they getting 20 and a half points? But I'll tell you why because they have not looked very good um, the past couple of weeks. They have certainly not been covering spreads, and they just squeaked out a victory against LSU. Um, do you actually – here I am, underprepared again. Nope, I got it right here. Total is 58-and-a-half. James, is, is Bama going to roll here? Get it? I do, and I do. <laughs> um I actually bet Bama first half minus 12 and a half. Uh, I think anything under 14 could be a pretty good bet here. Bama last week basically got a bye against New Mexico State. They picked their score. Um, the week before, they got embarrassed at home. They still won against LSU, but they just looked really sloppy. Um, and I think we see kind of a statement here. This is a, it's been another televised game that I think Bama's looking kind of to get some margin here before the Auburn game next week. And on the other side, Arkansas is coming off an emotional overtime win at LSU. 
their offense just looked really bad. I, I don't know if Bama's offense and Arkansas's offense looking bad against LSU is a coincidence or where LSU's defense is finally coming into its own, but um, I'm willing to say that Bama is just the better side here, and I think the first half is the angle because we could see a bit of a hangover. Uh, Saban does have some sort of indebted against Arkansas, too. I mean, Arkansas has been really bad for, what, 10-plus years now, and uh, that was under a different regime, too. But I don't know what it is. He seems to cover the first half spread in every one of these games and win every one by 30. So I think Bama first half is the angle here for me. Full game, I'm going to stay away a little bit. I know you think Arkansas could uh, could be hanging in there a little bit at the end, which is part of the reason I like the first half angle. But, um, yeah, Bama first half minus 12 and a half is the way I'm going to attack this. Yeah, um, I do. I think 20 and a half points is – I missed – I missed, I saw 21, just didn't bet it because I'm a moron. But um, I think 20 and a half is too many points. Um, I First of all, not only is this just completely ripe for backdoor, I can see Arkansas being competitive in this game. Now, the unfortunate thing is that arguably the best player on their defense, Jalen Catalan, he's a, a, a very, very good sophomore safety. He is, I believe he's out for this week. That's a big loss, and that does matter. Um that being said, this is the kind of defense that, like the way it's schematically set up, it forces tough throws for um, quarterbacks. And I do believe this is the first time that Bryson is going to see it see it like this. Last year, we watched Matt Corral throw, what was it, six interceptions and fumble once in this game. Now, I'm not calling for something like that, but we have seen this Arkansas team be frisky with the elite teams and maybe not Georgia, but with – so, okay. This is gonna probably going to come out and sound like I don't think Alabama is very good. It's not true because, like, Alabama's without a doubt a top-four team in football. Now, whether I think they deserve to be in the college football playoff with two losses is a different story. But I like – I the people who argue that Bama is the second-best team, like, I get it, and, like, I understand that argument. But they've been pretty lucky on third downs, and they are they and they have continued to be, and are, somehow are still due for third down regression. And overall, I just have not been super impressed with Bryce Young. Bryce Young has done the bare minimum of what he's needed to do, and he's done it like he's done it pretty well. And when your receivers lead the nation in yak yards, it's going to make the quarterback look that much better. Um, I think that because of the way that the four, the four, two, five, and because they play with so many DBs, I think you're not going to get as many yak yards too. If Arkansas is able to get any sort of pressure up front against what uh, Alabama O-line, which has struggled recently, I think Bryce Young could be in a little bit of trouble here. And I think we see a game similar to Florida. Now, the other reason why I think we see a game similar to Florida is because you have a quarterback who can run, run the ball and you have a very good rushing attack. And I think that's where Alabama is weakest. And because of what, if they, if Arkansas is able to run the ball to kind of create, create, you know, downfield passing for Traylon Burks, I think Arkansas is going to be able to score a little bit. I'm screw it. I will call for it. Arkansas outright. They're winning. I, I also, <laughs> I like the coach and I love the coordinators play calling has been good and they do what they're good and they call the stuff they're good at. So there's your there's your hot take of the week. Arkansas wins this week. I'm in. <laughs> now tell me I'm done. I'm dumb, so we can move on. All right, <laughs> you said it yourself. Okay, uh, to the Pac-12. Oregon getting three points at Utah. Um, the Utes win this game, and they are into the Pac-12 championship. I believe if Oregon wins this game, I think they're already in it. They are. Not even if Oregon State wins out. Oh, actually, Oregon State, I forgot. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, so this is the likely Pac-12 championship um, matchup. However, Utah is at home, and they could put Oregon in a tough spot next week with a win. And Utah's favorite against the number three ranked team in the country. Uh, James, I believe you like Oregon, correct? I do. Okay. Make the case, because I think I lean Utah. I just 
I think Oregon's too good to be catching three here. A pick I would have understood. I still probably would have liked Oregon a fair amount, but getting a full field goal, I just think it's disrespectful. If this game is played in the trenches, Oregon has the better defensive line and offensive line. Utah over the course of the year has become better in the trenches. At the beginning of the year, they were abysmal. Um, but now they're actually pretty competent, actually becoming a pretty good football team. But I just think in my mind, this lines up to UC, or uh, the UCLA game just pretty similarly. UCLA was one of those teams, trendy teams. Oh, this is the game Oregon loses. This is the game Oregon loses. Uh, and then Oregon came out, and they, I think they won by seven, but they should have won by just a lot of points in that game. Just left points all over the board and played sloppy throughout. Um, Utah is a better coach team than uh, UCLA and definitely a better football team than UCLA, so I'm not putting them on the same plane as UCLA. But I just think three is too many here for a team that is better in the trenches and I think has better skill position players. Cameron Rising has been very good for Utah, at quarterback, but I just think Oregon at the end of the day is too good to be catching three. That's interesting. Hmm. You're higher on Utah than I am, too. I just that, I haven't, yeah, I haven't right. caught up to them. So I, we'll I see, feel, we'll see. I, I feel like I get to this point with Utah every year, though. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's just like an internal bias kind of thing. Um, I think Utah deserves to be – I'm not betting Utah in this game. I would like to throw that out there. But I do think Utah deserves to be favored. The way – like, because <laughs> Oregon hasn't been that great against the run. They haven't been that great. I mean, their defense just hasn't been very good in general, even with what many presume to be the number one overall pick. And I do think that Utah might just be able to impose their will on the ground. And Cam Rison's been pretty freaking good. And – now, I don't know if this is a sign of dysfunction or what, but, I mean, an Oregon receiver who does play a little bit, Micah Pittman, he is leaving the program. Now, all signs seems, seem to point to an, an amicable um, ending of the relationship, but um, I, do, I, I do think that does matter a bit. However, um, former Saintsman Byron Cardwell um, – has been one of the bright spots ever since uh, of the Oregon offense, ever since CJ Verdell went down with an injury. Um, but ultimately what I think is, I kind of like, I look at this in a couple different lenses in this game. I think Utah has the better quarterback. Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I'd probably agree. Okay. More, not more athletic, but better thrower. Yeah, certainly not. But Ryzen can also run the ball decently. But yeah. he's he, he's a dual threat. I, I I do agree with that. I think they have the better coach, which I could understand you disagreeing with that. But I don't like Chris Paul in game. And yeah, then I talked about that. I also think that they have the better defense. And when I get all three of those, then I do. I like. I still don't necessarily see value on Utah Lane three. I would like this way more if it was two and a half. But I do think that they are very 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 live to win this game, and that. This isn't some like trap line or anything like that. And I do think it's deserved. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, do you think that Whittingham is better? Or do would you disagree? Yeah, no. Whittingham's a pretty good big game coach, especially in season. Although we saw two years ago on the Pac-12 championship that... It was a murder. Yeah, Chris Paul had his way with him, so... That also could have really just been coach, a talent thing, though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we could see something pretty similar. I don't know, man. That's true. That's true. Uh, oh, that no. is a good point. That was definitely uh, a better Utah team. I'm very, very excited to watch watch this game now. Uh, I also think that was, I mean, that was Herbert. It yeah, was a, a way knowing, better. knowing what we do now, yeah. yeah. Um, that's it for marquee matchups. Uh, before we get into our top five, which I think I've already almost talked about half of mine so far, but um, although Arkansas did not make it, and probably should have, but. We do have a sponsor, and our sponsor's name is Anchor. So please listen to a quick ad for Anchor. All right, James. Um, big, big, big weekend of college football. Um, I already went over Ohio State minus 19. Uh, you overall agreed. Team total look for you, too. Uh, but we will start off with you. You are. You do have a big lead. Um, yep. But I got to be honest, overall, I didn't realize you had Oregon plus three in your top five. It's interesting. Yep. Um. Okay, good. I can root for that one to lose. Um, <laughs> James, we're going to Wisconsin for your first for your first game. Where yep. Nebraska is getting nine points on the road, and the total is I can't imagine it's above fifty. 
I can't either, so I'll pull it up. It's 43. I Okay, this might sound weird, but I kind of like that over. But I will talk I about it in a little second. Bit. Um, why are we fading Wisconsin? Because they have they've been playing great football recently. They have. They've been playing really good football. I think they've covered either four or five in a row. Um, and their defense is just playing ridiculous. They're starting to run the ball really well. Um, but Malusi is out for the year. Um, Don't care so about that, that. Yeah, I mean, it's plug and play with running backs. Um, but the main reason I like this is I really like Nebraska's defense. And Nebraska has been really, really, really unfortunate in all these close games. It's been the same thing in the Scott, Scott Frost era the last four years. But now in year four, they actually have the personnel to keep up with these physical teams. Like in years past, we've seen Wisconsin just blow them out. Some of these big teams just come in there and have their way with Nebraska. But now they're in all these games. They just find ways to lose them. So by grabbing over a possession here, I think it's incredibly valuable. Um, I think I saw a crazy stat. So they have four losses this year to AP top 10 teams, and it's by a combined 14 points. Jeez, that's actually so, incredible. It's ridiculous. I mean, they just find ways to lose. Every week they invent a new way. Um, but I just think nine is too many here, and especially in the game total at 43. Yeah, Nebraska's record's pretty lousy, but they haven't lost a game by over a touchdown all year. And, and just to be laying it with Graham Mertz, all I got to say is Graham Mertz. Like, you, you want to get margin with that guy? He's been playing better football too, but I just don't trust him at the end of the day. With everything going on in Nebraska right now, I actually like the direction. I like that they came out and backed Scott Frost and said, listen, you guys have played really good football this year. That defense has been very good, but you've been on the short side of a lot of just unlucky games. I like that. I like that it's coming back another year. And I think that keeps the program energized. And I think it keeps them wanting to play hard to, to win jobs for next year. So I think everyone's playing hard. And I think this is a game they look at and think they have a chance in. I really like plus nine. It's my favorite play by far this week. No, I think I disagree a little bit. First of all, ever since, you know what? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get hot take again. Michigan State doesn't have the best big running back in the Big Ten. Wisconsin does. I believe he's 17 years old. But Braylon oh Allen, God. I don't oh my God. I don't Steve believe Steve is 17 year old is the best running back in the Big Ten. I'm I mean, like he has been he's been dominating, first of all. And ever since they kind of switched from Ches Malusi to Braylon Allen of who's getting the majority of the carries, Wisconsin offense has done I mean, now they're not the greatest show on turf by any means. Don't don't let me exaggerate here, but they have been pretty, pretty, pretty good. And um, I I don't think he's related. I uh, never mind that it's Jonathan Taylor, not Jonathan Allen. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, they are actually they have a better rushing success rate than Michigan State, um, slightly below Ohio State. Um, Nebraska has actually struggled against the run a little bit, which I, is a little worrisome here. Um, I think if I had to look at anything here, it would be a Wisconsin team total over because I do think there could be points. But what worries me, and I do think that this matters, is that Wisconsin has not really had to play many creative quarterbacks. And I do think Adrian Martinez um, kind of falls into this category of where he's not the most consistent. He's not the best quarterback that Honestly, he's probably not the best quarterback that Wisconsin's faced all year, but he is able to make plays, and I do think that's important. And when, like, nothing is really happening for your offense, Adrian Martinez is kind of able to, like, pick up 10 yards when they need it. You now, move out of the pocket and, like, throw a receiver open. And obviously, he's going to throw his picks. He's going to take his stupid sacks. But I think that with, like, the, ce- the in-game ceiling of Martinez is going to keep this game close. So... Ultimately, I do think this number is too big. I do lean Nebraska. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin just blew the doors off Nebraska here because the defense has been elite and it's been playing way better football recently. Oh, and the offense has been playing way better football recently. So um, just to lean to Nebraska plus nine for me. But more than a possession with Graham Mertz, it's a little bit too much. So it does worry me a bit. All right. Uh, my second favorite, actually, we'll go to your second favorite play first. And we're going to the, I'm from San Diego, I was about to call it the beautiful city of LA. I hate LA. Um, UCLA is playing USC. And UCLA is lane three as a technically road dot or road favorite. 
Um, the total is, and I also have a play in this game, which is the total, 65 and a half. James, it is your second favorite play, so we can let you start. Why do we like UCLA minus three? Yeah, I like UCLA. I think they're playing really good football, and I think they have a bad taste in their mouth after last year's game against uh, USC. They, they should have won. Um, this year, they're just the better team, and USC has really stumbled at the end of the year. I mean, with no coach and no leadership right now, they are, uh, they're in a bit of a downfall. And I think this is the time when Chip Kelly and UCLA take advantage of that. I think three is light here. I think UCLA wins by seven plus. Uh, it is a little bit concerning. I'd actually kind of like if Keaton Slovis played this, but instead it's Jackson Dart, who I think actually has a very high ceiling. So uh, it does scare me a little bit, but I think UCLA is just too good. Yeah, I agree. And part of the reason why I'm uh, playing the over here is because I think Jackson Dart is just going to make more plays. Um, I think Slovis is like, I mean, he's not Drew Brees, but he's kind of in that mold where he's, it's like accuracy over tools. And um, so I don't, I think that because Dart has a, a better arm and while he's less refined, I do think that what he does on the football field provides a higher scoring ceiling for USC. I think we do get a bunch of offense here. USC has been very good at running the ball all year. Um, and overall, the UCLA defense has been pretty disappointing. Um, I'm glad DTR played last week. I think they're going to be able to move the ball with ease, whether it's running the ball, moving a tempo, whatever it is. I think they're going to get their points easily. I like the over at 65 and a half. Um, I did bet UCLA minus three, too. So can't say, can't say I hate the play. Um, but um, moving on to mine, number two is South Carolina getting seven and a half points, uh, hosting Auburn. Now, am I getting too cute? Probably. Um, that being said, Bonix is out. And, you know, James, as a podcast, I've, I've taken I've – taken, it's been a long journey, but I went from week one of last year – was it last year? I think it was – of calling Bo Nix, like, the shittiest quarterback ever. And he did prove me right last year. Too overall, I've, I think I've mellowed out on him of sorts. But I do think he definitely matters to Auburn and I because of what he does to make plays and is almost in the mold of Adrian Martinez. It's, you know, like you'd kind of take the bad plays to take the good plays because like it, it can win you games. I mean, he's he's better than Adrian Martinez. There's no doubt about that. I agree. I think ultimately if they swap situations, I think they'd be pretty similar. Um, I think Bo Nix has a little more talent around him just on like O-line, receiver, running back, that kind of thing. But um, now we go to TJ Finley and TJ Finley had some like late game heroics against what shitty team they played George Southern. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think TJ Finley is very good. I'll just put it that way. And not that South Carolina is good, but getting more than a touchdown, I think is valuable here. I also bet them a little bit on the money line because I think they can win. And who does Auburn have on deck, James? Bama. Bama, that, that is right. Um, so I I just think the number is valuable here. It's a very low total. I think it was 43 last I checked. And South Carolina has shown signs of light, uh, shown, shown signs of life in recent weeks. And I do think that we get a good performance out of them as sort of like a marquee win to build to build upon going into next year. So while at a big dis- talent disadvantage still, I do kind of like South Carolina here, plus seven and a half. Thoughts? I lean that way. It's just I don't trust a backup going into an SEC um, stadium other than maybe Missouri or well, Mizzou played better last week. Um, probably just Vanderbilt and laying more than a touchdown. South Carolina is not good by any means. There's no doubt about that. But getting seven and a hook here is pretty nice, so I lean that way. All right. Um, already talked uh, Wake Forest, which was my third favorite play. Wake Forest was four and a half. Um, I actually, I only have one, one to talk about left. Cause I did talk UCLA, USC too. Uh, James, your third favorite play was Oregon plus three. So we already covered that too. Now we yep. move to your fourth favorite play, Illinois plus 12 and a half. Um, they are playing at Iowa, right? Yep. All right. Why do we like them? We like this because they're, they're going to be less than 12 and a half points in the game. So we're going to wow. grab the 12 and a half with Iowa. Okay. With Illinois. <laughs> uh, are we are we saying 10-0 Iowa? 10-0 Illinois. 
Iowa's playing horrible football right now. I mean, they were lucky to cover against Minnesota. They've been lucky the last few weeks. The offense is just – there aren't really words. It's horrible. I mean, it's, it's actually watching paint dry. And we see that Illinois be a little feisty against some good teams, and especially against teams like Iowa that struggle offensively. Minnesota. Illinois went on the road and beat State. You and I know very well they went to Penn State and won. Getting 12 and a half here against a team that can't score in like a four possession game. I love it. I think Illinois is super live here. I probably will tickle this money line, grab the 12 and a half. Interesting. I don't know if I can get there. Um, although, blessing in disguise, Illinois' coach is out. Um, Bielema. Witness, he's not necessarily my favorite in game coach. So I do think that is a small, small benefit here for Illinois. Um, I don't have much on this game. I still think Iowa's defense is pretty good. And I do think Illinois just kind of sucks overall. Um, that being said, the joy of watching another 8 OT football game could make me very happy. So um, <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed for that. Uh, your fifth favorite play is Virginia plus 14 and a half. Um, is, are we okay? Is this the line without Brennan Armstrong? Also, Virginia is playing at Pitt. Forgot to mention that. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks around it, which is why it's my fifth leg. I mean, I don't really love it. Uh, I'm hearing that Armstrong might play. So I think it makes the 14 and a half pretty valuable here. Even if he does, I think 14 and a half is just a lot of points to be laying with Pitt. Yeah, that offense is really good, and we know very well that Virginia's defense is bottom of the barrel. But I actually kind of like what I saw from Virginia's backup in the second half if Armstrong does not play. He's got a strong arm. He's just it's a little ripe, a little green. Um, so I think 14 and a half is a lot here. I, I wouldn't play this one very big unless you find out Armstrong is playing before it moves, but I can get behind some 14 and a half. So – just very quickly, um, Pat Narduzzi expects Brendan Armstrong to play. I think I don't know if he's just saying that, but um, that just sounds like coach jargon. Yes, but I do think it's important that he is. If Brendan Armstrong plays, I think 14 points is ridic- a ridiculous amount. Um, I or 14 and a half, excuse me. Um, you could talk me on to this. I, I hope Pitt wins just for my ACC future, but um, yeah, I. I think 14 and a half is pretty valuable. Honestly, I think it's a bit of free roll because I think that just from yeah. last last week, this Virginia team with a backup quarterback is pretty undervalued. So I don't hate that. And on and if Armstrong plays, this is going down to 10. So yeah. I mean, it was a free roll last week on him not playing, and now we're on the yeah. other side of it. You're right. Hope we can go two for two. We cash big time with that. Go Notre Dame. Um yep. I think somehow we I've been able to talk about like the three the three bets that I won last week without talking about all of the bets I lost last week. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Finally, my last play, uh, Stanford plus a half, first half. So you and I were both talking about this earlier. David Shaw should be fired just for what they've done the past, what, three years now? Yeah. Um, it's, he used to be the model of consistency, and now take out a standout yet lucky performance against Oregon. They have absolutely sucked this year. Yeah. Um, Tanner McKee is going to start, which is good. Um, and they are hosting Cal. That being said, I do think this is just an undervalued point, especially with Tanner McKee starting. I do. Th- I think he matters quite a bit. And there are just so many questions surrounding Cal. Um, I was like a weird COVID situation. James, you, you want to explain that really quick? Because you seem to have a better handle of it than I did. Yeah, I read a post that uh... – Chase Garber's had on Twitter and it sounded like some guys tested positive and then they made the entire team tests. And I believe just about everyone was vaccinated. Uh, so they didn't have to test, but they were mandated to, despite like earlier in the year, like they knew the protocols and like this signed agreements that said, you don't have to test if this happens. Um, so everyone tested. I think a lot of people wound up positive and Cal players are mad that people unnecessarily had to test when they didn't need to. And it resulted in so many guys sitting. Um, which, by the way, they lost at Arizona. And then the, the game the following week against UCLA, or sorry, USC, last weekend, got canceled right after, like an hour after the tweet. So, I don't know. There, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm worried it's just too much of a distraction here. Um, and I'll know. Um, I think that ultimately, I think that like what Stanford was able to do with a couple of backup quarterbacks, I think that it's kind of deflated Stanford's uh, market number a little bit. And I think we're getting a little bit of value here. I think with Tanner McKee, though, we get a better um, start to a game than what's normally happened. So uh, give me a first half uh, line, especially getting a hook and what I think could be a very low scoring game. So uh, we'll happily take Stanford first half. Uh, that, that's it. Anything else? No, I think we, we were pretty thorough that time. So I would agree. Um, really quick. I would love to get a college basketball take from you or two. Um, very broadly. Give me, give me a final four. Probably. Um, Gonzaga's got to be in there. Would I kind of like, I kind of like UConn. I just bet them 60 to one. I think they're a little – it could be around the 10, 15, 20 range come March. Okay. Um, Purdue has looked like a world beater. They are a wagon. I bet them preseason, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and I like what I've seen from Kansas so far. I thought they were really impressed against Michigan State, and Michigan State's looked good in the other games. So that would be my four right now. Um, I Purdue-Gonzaga are just immediate no-sweat final four teams for me at this moment um, i'm going to throw in byu to be a little different i think that mm, i'm okay. very very high on this team i think they're very good and i'm going to say memphis memphis gotcha. is that ceiling is ridiculous and just for what they do defensively it might look like just looking at final scores they're not great defensively but they've been playing so fast on offense that allowing or only allowing teams to score like around 70 points that just greatly undersells how good their defense is. So um, I'm very much look, looking and also Emoti Bates is so, so good. And I feel like overall people kind of like fell off him a little bit, but it's all good. So um, I'm excited. We'll have more college basketball stuff as the weeks go on. Um, call, I Next week's my favorite sports week of the year. College yeah. non-conference non tournaments, college football rivalry week, Thanksgiving football. It's going to be great. Um, for the Sharpside Podcast, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Sharpside Pod. Got all of our college basketball plays there. Um, and download the Betsford's app to you while you're at it. Um, James, I'm excited for this week. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to win, win we're some We're going to win a shit ton of money, James. I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>